Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. I know you're sad you couldn't get tickets to the Watch the Throne tour, so I got you a watch and a tiny throne instead. And check it out, she even took out the dumb clock part and put this in. Baller time. These are the Black Eyed Peas. And I finally killed them. It's a Christmas miracle. Every year, I give Leslie the same present I give everyone, a crisp $20 bill. And every year, she gets me something thoughtful and personal. It makes me furious. This year, she outdid herself. She had it installed over the weekend. It's so, it's so beautiful. If you look inside your bags, you will find a few things. A bouquet of hand crocheted flower pens, a mosaic portrait of each of you made from the crushed bottles of your favorite diet soda, and a personalized 5,000 word essay of why you are all so awesome. Oh man, uh, my name is Chris, in case we haven't met. Uh, I, in a former life, was the uh, young adult admissions minister at uh, Hope Des Moines, now Hope Elam, and uh, I recently, this new year, uh, am now Hope Waukee as the uh, church life minister is technically what it's called, but i um, super glad to be back with y'all, and anybody have, uh, anybody a gift giver? Uh, we have gift givers in the room. Yeah, some people really like giving gifts. My sister is one of those people. She just has like this natural ability to just like give you not just what you want, but what you need. You know what I mean? She's like, oh my gosh, I made this thing that was this one thing you said this one time, and it's made by your favorite artist that does that. You know what I mean? Like it's just like so thoughtful and great, and maybe you are one of those people. And in trying to find a clip about kindness in particular, I turned to, uh, to one of my two favorite shows of all time. And you saw Parks and Rec. And anybody Parks and Rec fans? It's totally fine. If not, you're allowed to be wrong. But um, Leslie Nope, the character that you saw, the blonde-haired character, um, one of the main characters, is a force of nature. In the show, she is a mid-level government employee. And Everybody on the show is skeptical about how much change can come from uh, local government parks and rec department. Um, but for Leslie, she believes and works tirelessly to make a difference. And the hearts of the show is that it actually works. The, 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 the kind of pulse behind this whole thing that went for like seven or eight seasons, something in there, is that it actually works. She actually does enact change. She changes her town and she changes the hearts of the people that she works with. And I thought this would be a great way to start our conversation about tonight's particular subject, which is indeed kindness, because kindness can take a lot of different forms and, took, uh, and can look a lot of different ways. But because of that vagueness, sometimes we attribute kindness to, we, we just think it's the same thing as just like being surface level nice. And because it can look a lot of different ways, you might know someone who kindness comes easily to them. All of a sudden, we don't see kindness as like 
a thing from God. We see kindness as a personality trait. Oh, that's just for those people over there. Um, It's this vague term that can get pushed aside instead of this blessing from God. And as you can see from our clip, gifts are one of the ways that Leslie Nope shows her kindness. It's very natural to her because she isn't just giving everybody uh, some, some little old thing. I am a firm believer in gift cards. Listen, I believe in the gift card. Uh, if I go to a wedding, I believe in the, the registry. Friends, uh, public service announcement, I'm older than a lot of you. I turned 30 fun years old this weekend. Um, the... the believe in the registry. Okay, that's just if you, that's not the main takeaway tonight but like maybe the second one. So, all that's to say um, she doesn't she goes be uh, above and beyond to ridiculous extents to give people great gifts. This is definitely a form of kindness along other forms of kindness, right? Maybe it's an encouraging word to somebody especially at strategic times where they might really need it. Um, maybe it's a peaceful presence uh, when somebody is feeling a lot of anxiety, maybe it's an, a specific act of service, it can look a lot of different ways. Now, you might be thinking, Chris, that sounds great, but I'm good at none of those things. I never feel like doing any of them. So I get it, like, not a personality trait, but like, are you asking me to be Leslie Nope? Because it's not going to happen, is what you're thinking to yourself. Like, uh, are you asking me to be somebody that I'm not? And the answer is no. Uh, I, I obviously am not asking you, I thought about saying yes. Um, the, no, you don't have to be somebody you're not because instead there have been plenty of people who have stepped out of their comfort zone, um, empowered by the spirit of God to love other people's wo- people well. And uh, that leads to our Bible story, one about a famous person in the Bible that you know, probably know a lot of stories about, but you might not have heard this one before. So uh, if you have um, a digital Bible, you have it on your phone, look it up in your Bible app, look it up in your, uh, your Bible that folds if you're one of those analog Bible people, uh, feel free to look that up. Um, I'll give you a second to do it, so like actually do it. There's no like wall here. I can like see all of you. So feel free to pull that out, look at it. Um, Second Samuel is, and you guessed it, the sequel to First Samuel. And uh, while it, there is indeed a Samuel involved, it kind of centers in the, this Old Testament series of books, centers a lot around uh, maybe the most infamous king of Israel, King David, right? And um, it, it has to do with Israel in a very particular time in their history. So we're going to go to Second uh, Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9 goes a little something like this. Verse 1, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? He was the former king of Israel before David um, a little while back. Is anyone in family, Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Um, another member of that family that he promised he was going to be kind to. He summoned a man named Ziba, who is one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. That's what we call a biblical background check. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makir, son of Amiel. Don't miss this. This is a grown person with a family of their own, but staying at somebody else's place because he did not have the means because of his physical challenges to have a place of his own. So keep that in mind. He's our, this is, we already are getting a few keys to who this person is and the type of life that he lives. 
Verse five, so David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. His name was Mephibosheth, great name. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness uh, because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you would show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family, which would have been his birthright, let's be clear. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Verse 11, Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you've commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Make no mistake, that story ends with that specific sentence because a person with that uh, physical struggle would not have eaten at the king's table. They're making a point by listing that afterwards. And sometimes with some of these characters like David, when we know a lot about, um, we hear about them a lot in the Bible, we tend to know their greatest hits so to speak, uh, but we're a little fuzzier on some of the lesser known stories. A lot of us know the stories that made David famous, right? We know when he was younger, he beat Goliath, and that was really great. He was chosen to be the king. Uh, perhaps you know his whole debacle with marrying Bathsheba. That was not a good moment for him. Or his fight with his son Absalom and his strong emotion immortalized over and over again through the book of Psalms. David's kind of everywhere in this, but there's a couple of reasons why you might not have heard of this story that we just talked about. The first one is it involves someone named Mephibosheth, and people get scared when you, they have to say Mephibosheth. So we're all going to say it together. Say Mephibosheth. If anyone is looking for a clutch baby name, you can get in on the ground floor. It's going to be hot eventually, okay? But the other reason is that this is seemingly an inconsequential story, Right? This is seemingly something, especially in regards to like the whole, this monster of a story told about David's life in the Old Testament. This is essentially a story in which David is kind to someone. It doesn't really cost him anything. Uh, maybe in your translations, uh, um, Mephibosheth was actually uh, a different translation because he's referenced somewhere else in the Bible um, by a different name. That's a language thing. Just don't stress about it. But the point I'm making is Mephibosheth isn't like, and now then he went on to conquer the world, right? Like this isn't one of those things that leads to a ton of other stuff. This is a story of David being a kind person and it moves on from there. But I think that this story has a ton to teach us, especially here and now. Because there's this m misconception around, uh, uh, among Christians, and I've heard it preached before, I've heard it talked before, not here, but just elsewhere in my life where people say, listen, Jesus doesn't call us to be nice, 
And usually it's like partnered with like, so give them the truth. You know what I mean? Like we like really lay it. Like the, Jesus doesn't call us to be nice. But a lot of times that, sen- that sentiment is meant to cover up, right? Some baggage that requires compassion towards someone or someones that a person or a group that you might not necessarily be naturally showing a whole lot of kindness towards. It's a scapegoat, in other words. You might say, yes, Jesus loves me, right, and so I need to love other people, but those people, whoever you thought of when I just said those people, those people. Those people? I mean, like, they drive me crazy. They do all that bad stuff. Like, I'm one of the good guys. They're one of the bad guys. I mean, Jesus doesn't call us to be nice, right? So that's, we use that to distance ourselves. Or you think, that? I mean, I know that God calls me to be kind, right? Like, God, Jesus loves me, so I have to love everybody. But that person? Do you know who they voted for? Did you see what they reposted? I mean, God doesn't call us to be nice, right? You see how it's a scapegoat? It allows us to distance ourselves from other people. Kindness is often miscategorized as surface-level niceness, which is then dismissed to avoid having to connect with other people. Kindness is often miscategorized as surface-level niceness, which is then dismissed to avoid having to connect with others. Because this leads to an, another absolutely essential truth when it comes to kindness. You're like, Chris, I can't, I, I, I can't tattoo that on me. Like, I need something a little more basic. Kindness requires relationships. Kindness requires relationships. Yes, you can meditation, prayer, uh, exercises in, your, in yourself to cultivate loving kindness. To cul- to, uh, I've heard one therapist talk about it once as a, uh, as a holding space is the phrase that was used once in psychology. Like you, you're doing a lot of work in yourself to be a peaceful presence so that then you can be kind to other people. Very important work, right? That can be true, but that's still not you being kind to other people and enacting kindness in the world around you. Yes, you can be kind to yourself, and that is actually really important because it's something that a lot of us are really bad at, right? Something that we need to work on. All of that can be true, and all that is well and good, but the kindness that we receive, the blessings that we have, the salvation that we, uh, that we encounter in the form of Jesus, the spirit of God that is closer than our next breath, all of those blessings, those versions of kindness or what we receive out of relationship with the eternal God. A lot of us want to get really woo-woo metaphysical before we get to relationship with God, right? Listen, man, God's all, God's all around us, man. God is good. God is love. I'm just going to tune into those God vibes. I'm just going just gonna to feel it, right? It'll just help me feel better. All that is well and good, but it kind of misses the complete point. Because, let's, let's not miss this, because God isn't a light bulb that we get tan from, right? God is instead, God is a sentient animating force that is wanting a relationship with us. God doesn't want to be a charger for us to plug into when we get tired. God wants to walk alongside us. How do I know this, you ask? Because God showed up to walk alongside us in the form of Jesus to get tortured just to make sure that we knew. And we get to 
Listen to this privilege. Listen to this blessing that we all have in this room right now. We are at the point in history where we get to go on living our lives knowing that that's what God thinks about us. Other people that you're reading in the Bible in, in this, this, time, the, this linear sense of time, they weren't quite at this point, but we get to look back and know that God cares so much to show up. We get to go on living knowing that now. Kindness requires relationship. It doesn't necessarily matter that you feel kind, right? I just don't feel like it. How does kindness manifest in your life? How does kindness actually show up? How is kindness actually present in your relationships between you and other people? What we're not talking about, by the way, is performative kindness. You ever see on like uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or something, somebody that's like, I just want to give a shout out to like so somebody, and I'm not, I'm the farthest thing from a like social media hater. I'm not trying to be that person. Um, but have you ever seen a post where somebody's like, I just wanted to take a second to thank this person and this person and this person. And you're like, this is a really great picture of you. Uh, your mom's not even in this photo. And you, you know what I mean? Like you, it's obviously more about that person than it actually is because they want to see and show everybody just how nice they are. Please notice, David in our story did not invite this guy over once and then pat himself in the back because he kept his promise to Jonathan. The last line of this particular story says, Mephibosheth ate regularly at the king's table. One line even refers to him like you heard me, like you heard me read, like one of the king's own sons. The person whom the Bible describes as being crippled in both feet, that person ate at the king's table, which was not something that would just happen. Additionally, the servants had to listen to him. This was real authority that he was given. Mephibosheth was made like a real member of the family, and that's what our God does. Please notice that Mephibosheth refers to him. I, I like felt it hit us in the room. Somebody was nice to him, and he was like, why are you being nice to a dead dog like me? The world marred by human brokenness had told him that he was a second-class citizen, and now, after the kindness of God through David, was restored to you with kings. The world said, you are a dead dog, a second-class citizen, and God says, no, no, you eat at the king's table. And God does that for Mephibosheth, certainly, but does that for us now, anybody feeling like a second-class citizen. God is still working. And it's possible, let's be clear, that people would have taken issue with this. Back in the day, if somebody had a physical uh, malformity, it was assumed that they deserved it, which is barbaric and terrible and wrong. We all know that that's not how things work now, but back then it was assumed that if you sinned, it would manifest physically in your generations later. So in doing this kindness, David was sinning against God. But David had a special relationship with God, and David knew who his God was. Said another way, David's call to kindness was more important than the opinions of other people. Said even another way, kindness might cost us something, but it will gain us much more. Kindness will cost us something. It will. I said might, but it will. But it will gain us so much more. 
But the, the devil's advocates in the room are like, but Chris, doesn't it like being kind like make you soft? Like doesn't, make you, doesn't it make you like a target against like other people? Um, I, when I was at Drake, uh, I graduated from Drake University. And when I was a student at Drake, I worked at Fleming's. Fleming's Prime Steakhouse and Wine Bar. And uh, it's over by Jordan Creek Mall. It's very fancy. I felt like a spy the whole time. Don't let my fun shirt uh, deceive you. I am the farthest thing from a fancy person. I was once reprimanded for using the word folks because folks isn't a fancy word. Um, so this is, this is what it was. But um, the people that I worked with were great. They were really great folks. They're very top <laughs> folks. Uh, <laughs> It's still in the blood. Um, I just shuddered a little bit. Uh, they are the top of the hospitality industry. Everybody was super, super kind. Uh, there was this one gentleman, we'll call him Isaiah, and um, he was the kindest of all. He was actually called what they call a back waiter. They weren't the front of the service, like they wouldn't like take orders and stuff. They like helped a server. Each server had a couple, or uh, a couple service would share a back waiter and they would clean the tables, get the tables set. They would make sure everything was okay. They'd refill water, all of that. Um, they didn't get tipped out directly. The servers would tip out their waiters. It was like a whole thing, right? Isaiah was clutch. Like, Isaiah was there every second of the way, always had a great attitude, always said yes, relentlessly kind. And because he always said yes and was kind, you better know who they went to when they needed something, both in a good way but also maybe not one. I was a host, and I was standing at the host table, and I remember Isaiah was standing there. And I'm not faulting. I'm not trying to make, like, the manager the bad person in this. She was great. But she came up, and she said to him, Isaiah, I need you to come in this weekend. It was, like, Labor Day or something. Like, it was, like, a holiday weekend. He wasn't scheduled. This was, like, in, like, three days. So, hey, I need you to come in and close that day. He said, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on going on this trip with my family. She's like, listen, somebody bail. I, I need you to be there. You got to be here. It's not, not really a choice. There was this tense moment, and he took a breath. I've, I might have shared this story here before, but it's been a hot second, and I think about it all the time when we talk about kindness. The reason I tell the story is because of his response. He looks at her, and he says, I'll do it, but do not mistake my kindness for weakness, because I will not be disrespected. Don't mistake my kindness for weakness, because I will not be disrespected. And he showed up, had the same exact positive attitude that he ever had, absolutely killed it. And you think, well, there you go, Chris. He was taken advantage of being a kind person. You better know that everybody respected him. He showed that you can stand up for yourself and still be relentlessly kind. That you can still show up, be your best self, and even when the world tries to tear you down, people are gonna pick you back up. You better believe he got tipped out better than everybody else, too. He worked relentlessly, and he showed that it was possible. And everybody respected him, and he gained authority and love for everyone in everyone's eyes because of how he held both that kindness and his self-respect. So if you're somebody that this hasn't come easy to, right, or if you're in a really difficult season, uh, kindness kind of seems like you're faking it, or you've made every excuse in the book because, frankly, you are in a really hard season of life where you just feel tired all the time. Your fuse is short enough that you feel like you don't even have any room for kindness, right? I said that Parks and Rec was one of my two favorite shows. So my other favorite show is a TV show called New Girl. There, there is a, 
There's a character. His name is Nick Miller. <laughs> Nick Miller, Nick Miller from the streets of Chicago. Um, there are two characters, actually, Schmidt and Nick. They're very best friends. Um, I don't know how to explain Schmidt uh, other than just, like, extra is maybe just the best way to describe it. And Nick, on the other hand, so Schmidt is very type A, likes everything a very particular way. And uh, Nick, that's Schmidt, and then Nick uh, just roll, goes with the flow, never opens his bills, keeps them in a box under his bed. Who knows? If they go away, you can't see it. Like, or, you know, um, they, they live very different lives, but they were roommates in college, and they absolutely love each other. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's just been, uh, it's a lot of time it's, it's bone on bone, so to speak. Like the, 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 they just really drive each other crazy, like a, like a, like a bad joint. And they, uh, what ends up happening in this particular episode is that, uh, Schmidt at the beginning gives Nick a cookie and he does the nice things for Nick all the time. And Nick's like, listen, man, why, it's weird when you give me stuff. Like, I don't, like, why are you giving me these little gifts? He's like, it's because we're best friends. It's because I love you. And he's like, hey, man, this is really weird. Like, let's not do this. And it kind of, uh, it, it continues to, the pressure continues to rise throughout the entire show. It's, it's, it kind of turns into this whole thing. There's a, there's a whole weird argument about a turtle that Nick wishes he had. All of those kinds of things, right? It's a big pain point. And so, um, Eventually, it gets to a certain point, uh, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll just show the clip. <clears throat> hey. Uh, Schmidt, I got you something, man. Ah, they didn't have a Jewish star at the store? So I got you a regular cookie. Yeah, I made the star myself by breaking off the pieces. It's meant to celebrate your uh, Jewish heritage. What is this? The Jewish star, I just said that. Hey, hey, Schmidt, just... This is so terrible. You gave me a cookie, I gave you a cookie. You gave me a cookie, gave you a cookie. Gave me a cookie, got you a cookie. You gave me a cookie, I got you a cookie, man. Gave me cookie, got you cookie. We're even. We're even, Schmidt. I mean, what do you want from me? What do you want, Schmidt? I've been racking my brain all day. I walked around the grocery store, man, for 45 minutes. I didn't know what to get you. And then I was thinking I was going to get you ramen, like we used to eat. But you probably eat, like, fancy ramen now with, like, figs in it. I don't know, man. You love me too much, Schmidt and you picked the wrong guy. And when are you gonna get that, that giant head of yours? I'm just gonna let you down, man. Are you crying? I'm not crying, man. Yeah, you are crying. Oh my God. Man. I'm not crying, guys, just drop it. Hey. I just felt like I did something yes, nice. you are, and that's okay. Don't say that, man, because that, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Just like, let it rain, man. I gotta eat the cookies, man. It's the best I can do, man. What about the turtle? You're the only turtle I want. You're the turtle, man. I knew I was the turtle. Yeah, man. You're the turtle. <laughs> I knew I was the turtle. <laughs> you guys are the best, man. I love you guys. 
sorry, sorry, man. Uh, man. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat my sandwich, sandwich right here. Some things out. Good sandwich. You probably eat ramen with like figs in it or something. Schmidt accepted this show of kindness despite it being, and I quote, so terrible. He accepted the show of kindness because it wasn't about the cookie. And this is really funny, but I, re like, I want it to land for us here. Our acts of kindness are never usually about the acts of kindness. It's not actually about what you're doing. It's about the fact, just like here with Nick, it didn't, it didn't matter. The thing that mattered to Schmidt was that he showed up. He told him he cared. He knew he had his heart. He knew that he was showing up for him and who he was, even though it made him uncomfortable, even though he didn't know what to do. It's the fact that we're caring about other people. Our kindness that we're talking about tonight isn't about acting acting right. It's not like this is how Christians are supposed to behave where everyone needs to be sunshine. Notice he did not turn into Leslie Nope, right? It's about demonstrating through our actions that we care enough to show up as kind people regardless of what we're dealing with. Regardless of what we're going through. Maybe this is for somebody in here, regardless of whether they deserve it or not. Regardless of what we're going through. Jesus demonstrated kindness to us without any barriers. We definitely didn't deserve the kindness we were shown, but Jesus showed up and God continues to show up. Jamie and I had a phone conversation earlier this week about this series that you guys have been doing, um, kind of about the fruits of the spirit. And Jamie's words were, we love the sexy ways that God shows up, but we're talking about the ways that God shows up in subtle ways. And so many of us see pillars of fire that God shows. And he, God shows up in the form of these like awesome winds and earthquakes and all these incredible miracles. And you're like, God, like make me Thor. Like God, help me to run through walls. Like God, give me insane gifts of prophecy. Give me all of these talents. And God's like, hey, how about you can love somebody in the ways that they need? That's way more powerful than super strength. God might actually use you to show up for somebody that needs it. You don't need to fly for that and that can actually save a life. Showing up for somebody and most of the time that's through kindness. Kindness is really about showing up as your best self even when it's difficult. So you know me, I always, if you've seen me here before, heaven forbid we walk out of here and go, I really like the clips Chris chose and the singing was good and like whatever, and then we forget and go about our week. Here are my questions for us this week. Is there someone that's more difficult to be kind to? I know the answer is yes. What is one way that you can be kind to that person or persons this week? I'm not asking you to buy somebody a car. I'm not asking you to give them a hug. In fact, at work, please don't if that's the circumstance. <laughs> I don't wanna get emails. <sighs> maybe it's an encouraging word. If you're in a conflict with somebody, maybe it's taking the first step with an olive branch. If you're in, argu in an argument, maybe it's about choosing to be kind instead of choosing to be right. 
God showed up for us in the form of Jesus and constantly and forever shows up for us moment to moment in the form of the Holy Spirit. So the question for us this week is how do we do the same? We get to show up for our lives, for the people in it. And even when it's hard, God is right there alongside us, helping us to love people the way that they need to be loved. And guess what? You better believe it's kind because that's who our God is. So how can you show up for your people in your life this week? Regardless of what you're going through, what is one one thing? Take that step. Take that invitation. If it seems too big, make it smaller, but take that step. Don't let yourself miss it. Let me pray for us before we worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being a God that's kind. God, we thank you for being a God that calls the best out of us. God, you know every single thing we're dealing with, every single thing that we share with others and that we don't, God, and in the midst of it, you still show up for us. Help us to feel that in a way that is so tangible and new this week that it is written on our bones forever. May this be the week that we remember that we stepped into something new, because God, you have it for us. Help us to see every opportunity Help us to see the path in front of our feet and give us the strong feet to walk that path, God. Be with us when we fail. Help us to rejoice and notice when we don't. God, we are so grateful for you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for using us to love others. Help us to do so like your son Jesus loves us. It's in your good name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.